0: Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black.
1: First hour of the show, he's always try to be nice, polite. I always try to do a good timeline of what's happening on Wall Street and why. Second like an hour, I kind of get off track. It's just, I, I'm bugged. I see that wages aren't increasing, and yet spending is, by the average American, and I really doubt our economic recovery. I really doubt it. In large part, we're getting back to leverage a little bit too fast without, you know, paying the price. Yeah, we've paid the price on some levels, but here's another example. Banks are increasing lending to buyers of high-yield company loans and mortgage bonds at what could be the fastest pace since the credit market debacle in 2007. So I did a little research in Credit Suisse and Scotia Capital, They said they're offering credit to investors who want to purchase loans. SunTrust, which left the business a year ago, is starting to reach out to clients to provide financing. JPMorgan City Group are doing the same for loans and mortgage-backed securities. Now, here's what's kicker about this. The increase suggests the money is being used for riskier home loans. Do we need risky home loans right now? Corporate and asset-backed securities because it excludes the treasuries. It excludes agency debt and excludes mortgage bonds. I don't know if that's going over your head. I hope it's not. We're starting to lend on a risky level again. And I'm just ultimately surprised by how quickly the market became receptive to leverage again. There's a lot of money to be made in leverage. It's part of the problem that got us into what are now uh, garbage garbage financial companies like Regions Financial and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and MBIA and Huntington Bank Shares and Citigroup and AMBAC Financial and PMI Group and CIT Group. These are all companies that were tied heavily towards over-leverage – And or they were tied towards um, making the deal, the transaction go through. It's really frustrating to see. And again, the data that we're seeing is that we're doing everything wrong as a nation right now. We're not spending. um, We're not saving. We're spending. That's really, really frustrating Um, because we got to lick our wounds. I save 15% of everything I make. I've done that since I was 18 years old. I'll continue to do that until I'm 60 years old, when I'm not making money. And at that point in time, I'll spend that 15% that I've been saving for the last 40 years. Americans don't get it. We're a nation that quickly goes right back. We get punched in the face with a credit debacle. And we go right back and says, hit me again. We've got the battered wife syndrome. Now, keep in mind, nothing wrong with a battered wife as long as you don't deep fry her. Hey, I'll be here all week tip the waitresses battered fried roll a woman around in flour and egg not so bad okay I'll just drop it let's go to Robert in Santa Rosa Robert how are you?
2: I'm good thank you first I want to say thanks for introducing me to the Ting Ting's I enjoy the album it was a good one really um yeah it's got a lot of good stuff on it
1: that was the song that took us to break um uh, the you know they they don't have my name they don't that's not my name so but anyway I
2: appreciate your frustrated DJ stick <laughs> Anyway, my question, I was reading The Back stick. of the Economist. I'm really
1: a frustrated DJ. <laughs> it's not stick. But go ahead.
2: I was reading The Back of the Economist, and they have interest rates for all sorts of other countries and such, and I was wondering, is there any way to get into bond markets for foreign countries that have higher interest rates than what we do?
1: Yes, but keep in mind the downside of that is you're going to pay taxes in that country, and then when you repatriate to our country, so you get double tax. So it's not as attractive as it sounds. I smell offshore account. You, well, you could do an offshore account for sure, but um, keep in mind that uh, the Swiss have started uh, working with the IRS on on offshore accounts. Be careful. Now, yeah. with that said, with that said, Robert, you should own some international bonds inside of a portfolio. Um, and I think the best way to do that for the average person is a mutual fund. But once you become wealthy and you hire a financial planner, you could own some international bonds, individual international bonds. And I don't have any problem with you doing that in any way, shape, or form. Cool. So thanks for the call. Um Understanding the tax treatment is important and placing them in the right type of account so that you don't get taxed on them. Very, very important. But yeah, and it's interesting that he said he read the back of The Economist and not the magazine The Economist. Uh, Economist, good read. It's a good read. The Wall Street Journal, good read. Financial Times, a good read. Business Week is an okay read. Barron's is a great read. Investors Business Daily, okay read. Those are some of the financial rags that are out there. Mega Millions jackpot. It's going to be $333 million. You get ticket yet? 12-state lottery. Hopeful would-be winners. They're rolling out the dollars for a chance to take it home. What's shaping up to be the third biggest lottery payout of all time? Now, do you want to know your chances? One in 175711536 You have a point zero 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 zero. Zero zero six tenths of a chance to win it all. Now, here's the nice thing about this, and I'll, there's where, here's where I'll give you the break. For one dollar, you get a, get a dream of what it's like to you know you're going to pull home what about 140 million after it's all said and done. So, and for the record, it's it's amazing. People don't want to win one million dollars, but when it's 333 million. Sales go from like 1200 a day to 4200 4, a day. The 12, particip- the 12 participating states, they're beginning to count up their tickets. They're checking to see if there's a match. Uh, winners will get about 50% of the pool with roughly 35% divided between the state coffers and 15% going to lottery retailers and administrative costs. If there is a winner or multiple winners, the states will likely know by early Saturday morning. If not, the money's returned to the pool and the game continues with a higher jackpot. Now, again, here's my angle on this. I think it's great for the states. But today, if you go to a lottery pool or if you go to a, a grocer, you go to a, a convenience store, who's the people buying these tickets? They're poor people where a dollar actually means, means something to them. Typically, that's who it is. Anyway, I don't know. And you know who I love is the person that's going to win that lottery. He's going to say, it's not going to change my life. It would change my life. I would tell you all to go screw. I would buy a small island. I would get nuclear weapons. I would, I would become an evil dictator. <laughs> it would change my life if I pulled in $150 million. There's no doubt about that. Anyway, um, so the big megalotto tonight. Um, speaking of which, hitting the lottery, my sister had gave birth yesterday to her second uh, infant, a little girl named Isabella, Isabella Zoe, nine pounds. So I'm a uncle yet again. My, sister, my sister's fertile. That's two quick kids for her. I know. I know you're saying, did you just say your sister's fertile? Yes, I did. But I can't wait to get my little hands on the baby. That will be a lot of fun. And speaking of, of being in a bad position, how about babies? Everyone wants to put their hands on you. Don't you think babies should have a, a right to say, just don't touch me? Anyway. I'm totally digressing now. Okay, so I've hit the H1N1 flu and how we can make money off of it. I've hit the lottery, $333 million lottery tonight, and I don't understand why people want to win $333 million and not $1 million because there's probably not a lot of difference. I've hit Japan's unemployment rate. Is there any other show on radio that's like this show? Intel has raised guidance. That's a good sign. What does that tell you? It means the economy is not really getting worse and companies are deploying their budgets they raise their guidance, but it also tells you one more thing. Not only does it give you a tell about the economy, but it gives you a tell about Intel's management. I'm not saying you can trust them, but they're, they're, they're raising guidance, and Wall Street likes that. We don't like to be shocked. We don't like to be told, you know, geez, this quarter just went to heck in a handbasket. We're going to make no money at all. We didn't see that coming. So when they come out and say we're going to raise guidance, we're very pleased with that. We're very pleased with that. Let's talk about some of the other stories that are out there today. The Federal Reserve, they've been sending out these little trial balloons recently. And what I mean by that is, not the big boy, not Bernanke, but his underlings, his minions. They're going out and they're giving speeches, and in their speech, they're talking about, next year, our monetary policy is going to be different. So they're telling us they're going to start raising rates next year. They'll add a little caveat. They'll say, although it's going to take significantly better data. ...before short-term rates can be raised. Quote, monetary policy is still very accommodative... ...and the Federal Open Market Committee... ...intends to keep Fed funds target near zero... ...for an extended period of time. They're saying rates aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Again, Wall Street digs that. We now can go out and make a bet... ...based on banks borrowing money at almost nothing... ...on an overnight rate... ...and then them going out and repackaging that money... ...into loans to maybe a mortgage... ...into loans that maybe a, a small business... ...into loans maybe credit cards... So he's telling us we're not going to do anything anytime soon, but look for next year for us to start implementing an exit strategy to order, in order to prevent inflationary threats to the economy. If you keep money too low for too long of a time, period of time, I can come up with a business model. If you lend me money at 4%, I can come up with a business model right now that will get you 10%. That's a pretty good risk to re- reward for me. But when it turns out seven, eight, nine percent it's a little bit tougher to have that 10% equal my bottom line, push my bottom line and make it worth the time. So this Fed official said that he supported maintaining the zero interest rates for an extended period of time. Ending emergency lending programs will be relatively straightforward, and exiting the asset purchase program may have to rely on selling assets as appropriate. When it comes to the lifting of interest rates, we have to get a lot better data in the economy before we do it. So they're telling us what they're doing. If you're paying attention, you can make a little do-re-mi from what they're doing. You could plan a little bit better. Now, where do I go from here? I'm just all over the place today. Microsoft, they're cutting the price of the Xbox. The Xbox 360, that is. They're going to cut the price of it to $299. They're cutting $100 bucks off the top-end Xbox. In addition, they're going to cut the price of their Xbox 360 Pro by 50 bucks to from $299 to $249. Now, the arcade model of the console, which doesn't contain a hard disk, it's going to be $199. Now, the announcement comes a little more than a week after rival Sony cut their cost. And ultimately, who is this a winner-winner chicken dinner for? Software makers like Activision Electronic Arts. The cheaper the hardware, the more likely you're going to buy it. And the more likely you buy it, well, the more likely you're to buy their software titles. Now, Microsoft followed Sony's lead with that $100 Xbox price cut. Here's another company that's going to benefit. And I bet you're not thinking about this one. It's Netflix. Right now, Netflix is the exclusive on the Xbox 360, where you can download movies and watch them, download TV shows and watch them. Now, the reduced Xbox 360 pricing will drive more consumer adoption of the Xbox, and likely leads to accelerating Xbox Live and Netflix subscriber growth this holiday season. Netflix is a little bit of a winner-winner chicken dinner, because Xbox is lowering their price. Just understanding, there's an ecology. And if you want to have fun, I mean, like, I'll get drunk with you, and we could sit out there with a napkin and... We could write, you know, put down Microsoft and call it an ecology. Call them the 800-pound gorilla. Call Intel an 800-pound gorilla that lives in a different part of the forest. And then start drawing all the companies that are tied towards these two. And you really understand how the investment climate can benefit from one person, from one company. And a company is defined as a person. You can really learn how they can affect many, many, many things in their environment. Some of them they'll put out of business. Some of them they'll hit huge home runs because of. 800 345 5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
0: Black is watching your wallet, live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW.
1: Okay, more reasons to get angry about cash for clunkers. Nine and a half percent sales tax, which you're hit with in the state of California when you buy a car. Then your insurance goes up. Then you're saddled with thirty dollars to $40,000 of car debt that depreciates 20 to 40% in two years. Then... You have to pay probably an interest rate on the loan for the car. You probably didn't get it for 0% financing. So ultimately, I think people are going to look back at this and say, I was pretty stupid for doing that. So just the insurance cost alone on a new car versus a used car. Um, Yes, I am a fan fan of used cars, slightly used uh, cars. So you get the depreciation already out of the way, and you don't pay for the depreciation someone else did. On top of that, how about state registration fees? States are making big old cashola from uh, people buying new cars. So I guess there's some positives, and they're getting their coffers enriched enriched in large part because of the 9.5% sales tax. So I I guess I get it. Anyway, let's move forward. There's some stories out there that I I didn't get to. Tree. This is a story from yesterday that I didn't get to. Tree is one of those online websites that you can go and punch in your data on the loan that you want, and then suddenly, boom, five people are competing for your loan. So Google is about to get in the same business. LendingTree has thrown a lawsuit at Google saying that a separate technology provider claims that it has learned that Google plans to launch such a service later this month in early September. So they're throwing a lawsuit at Google. The Lawsuit claims that LendingTree has received screenshots showing a trial version of a Google service that indicate Google will give customers loan offers and contact information for lenders. Google issued a written statement saying, you know, we're working on a small ad unit test. And it comes down to that LendingTree uses a special firm to go out and get competing offers. And Google's probably using that special firm as well. Lending Tree thinks they've got exclusive rights to the special firm. Ultimately, it's a story. It's a PR story that I can't get too excited about. I see what Google's trying to do by increasing revenues. They have to. They've been uh, relying on uh, ad revenues from searches for such a long time, and they've tried to diversify. And YouTube just isn't monetizing fast enough for them. Other stories of note that are out there today. This is a story that was out there yesterday. That again, I didn't get to because I didn't think you could make any dobre me from it. It was that Sirius XM satellite company. They're introducing a hundred and twenty dollar dock that turns an iPhone into a satellite radio allowing the company to tap into one of the fastest-growing consumer products on the marketplace. Now, the dock, which the company says will be available in the fall, underscores how Sirius is facing growing competition from other devices and services as it tries to hold on to its share of increasingly competitive audio entertainment market. if If you have an iPhone, you know about the applications where you can say, I like this song, this song, this song, this song, and then suddenly you can stream to your phone similar songs from similar radio stations. The only thing Sirius and XM really have is talent. And they also have, well, I guess Major League Baseball. But you can buy Major League Baseball on radio. You don't need a satellite relationship to do that. Um, So to me, the story, even though it was written to make it look like, ooh, Sirius XM Satellite has something coming on. Ooh, sexy. To me, it's really telling you that they're losing the battle right now of staying relevant. Now, the dock, it's going to plug in through a car cigarette lighter, and it plays through a car's audio system using Sirius' new Power Connect technology. When consumers put their iPhones in the dock, an interface will come up on the phone screen that allows them to change channels. The dock uses, uh, users must purchase a satellite radio subscription with a basic monthly rate of twelve ninety five a month. iPod Touches also work with the dock. So, okay. It's cute. I kind of get it, but it's not going to make a lot of real difference to SiriusXM Satellite. Here's the problem with SiriusXM Satellite. They owe way too much money, and getting access on money to borrow to pay off their other money it's really tough for them at this point in time. So they've ultimately, hmm, how do you say this? They've ultimately over leveraged and they've promised too much to their lenders. I don't think that company stands on its own as a publicly traded company. Let's go to Wally and Hayward. Wally? Hello, Rob. Hello, Wally.
2: Uh, You were talking about the Lotto and... If you won $150 million, if you collected $150 million, would you have one or two financial planners?
1: Um, I probably wouldn't have any financial planners because I am a money expert. I'm kind of a big deal.
2: But I'm not you.
1: Okay, 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 okay. If you won it, did you win it any chance? Pardon me? Have you ever won a lottery?
2: No, I never have.
1: I've never even won a freaking cakewalk.
2: I've, the most I've won in the lotto is about 50
1: bucks. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think absolutely. You would probably want uh, a team of financial experts around you. if you had that kind of do re um, You know, I think one financial planner is fine, but I think you would want an accountant as well. And uh, I think you'd want an attorney. Um, and I think you'd want all of those things before you collected the money. And uh, you'd want to make sure that you don't give any of it to relatives because I don't believe in giving money to relatives.
2: Not even my sister-in-law?
1: I want to give your sister-in-law a $5 bill. I don't like your sister-in-law.
2: My God, Rob, you never, you never met her.
1: That's the point. Don't like her.
2: So, <laughs> okay, Rob. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. I hate all people. That's not totally true. I love my sister. My sister just had a baby. Just had a nine-pound baby. Whoa. That's a huge baby. That's a bowling ball. Now, man, if you don't have respect for women giving birth, go pick up a nine-pound bowling ball and imagine that coming out of an orifice of your body. It ain't right. It's not natural. It is <laughs> natural as it is. It ain't right. Okay, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Barron's online. Okay. A lot of people know that I own shares of Apple. Another company I'm about to tell you I own shares of, and I don't in any way, shape, or form want you to go out and buy it. This was a recovery trade for me. A lot of it's already played out. Barron's online reports about Johnson Controls. They're a maker of automotive components and heating and cooling systems for commercial buildings. Tentative signs of recovery and Johnson Control's dominance in green technology. A lot of people want to invest in green technology, invest in green technology. I want to invest in solar. I want to invest in solar. A lot of people tell me, how do I invest in solar? One of the best ways to do it is Johnson Controls. Um, It's really not the people who come up with the technology. It's the people who install the technology is how you play something along those lines. And one of the things I like about Johnson Controls is that they've got a dividend and they do share buybacks and they've got the scope of installation. For instance, let me give you a little bit more on the installation. A couple of years ago, I went to Comdex and it was a big technology trade show and you know, vendors would, would go into Vegas and, and flood the floors and there's 10,000 vendors and you know, you'd you go from site to site and you'd see the, the amazing robot dog. And then the next day, you'd see this, this cool technology where you can put your eyeball in, near your computer and it'll tell you if it's you or not and turns on the computer, turns it off. Well, 9-11 happened and we all knew that security was going to go up. So everyone's like, well, biometrics is going to be huge. Biometrics is going to be huge. Turns out biometrics wasn't huge and we invested in companies that did finger, um, what are the finger, um, fi- finger identification technology by looking at your fingerprint and we invested in companies that would figure out your iris. And I'd come on the radio show. I'd be like, this company can tell the difference between 19,000 different eyeballs. Like, and the only way to trick it would be to cut someone's eye out. And it was just retarded radio. It was dumb radio. I was a victim of dumb radio biometrics. Anyway, where do I go with this? Oh, Johnson controls. That's the company I'm talking about. What I learned at Comdex that year was that you can have the coolest technology. But you need an integrator. You need someone who can integrate five different cool technologies. Because an airport's not just going to go with an eyeball thing. It has to be connected to a database. And that database will tell you, here's the 19,000 terrorist eyeballs. And then you have to have a network like Cisco to get that data, you know, upgraded and updated on a regular basis. So you don't invest in the technology of technology. You invest in the standardization of technology. The companies that are able to integrate that technology. Because they're the ones that are going to get the big deals. And they're the ones that are going to go back to that biometric company and say, okay, you've got a gadget for 50 bucks. I'll take 5,000 of them. And yes, the sales of that gadget will go up for a little bit of time. But the people who integrate and then manage the service of that technology, they're the ones who make the big money. (laughs) So, I fear all technology, and that's my song of technology. Ooh, Monday I'm going to do the world's lamest technology show. Pay attention to that. It's going to be the world's lamest technology show. Heidi's booked me two guests, one of them great, one of them lame. I'm going to let you decide which one's great and which one's lame. I wanted Brian Cooley from CNET because he is the king of technology. He is the man who now works for CBS, who is a competitor of Clear Channel. Uh, but he works for CBS Online, the CNET, CBS Bot, CNET. And he knows everything technology. He's fantastic. He's one of those barrier people that you sit down with a beer with and six beers later you're you're three sheets to the wind, but you're totally enriched on what's happening in technology and what technology is good and what technology is bad and what technology is going to dominate, and what technology is going to lose. Anyway, back to Johnson controls, particularly some JCI. Um, they're a leader in green technology, particularly with hybrid cars and energy efficient buildings. And that's begun to invigorate and tickle the stock. The company's firing on all cylinders and they're taking even more of a market ship position. Stock which pays a healthy 2.1% dividend yield has fallen 18% in the last 12 months, but it's now starting to outperform its peers, its auto part peers, and it's starting to outperform the S&P 500. It was a good pickup for me. We've got a Ford price to earnings multiple of 17. It's still reasonable and not far above its historical means of 14 times earnings. Stock also arguably deserves a slight valuation premium given the company has the largest potential in the industry for future growth. Okay. Here's some JCI. Let's take a little bit of a break because we're up against the break clock. And when we're up against the break clock, we must break. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Can you tell it's a Friday show for me? I'm getting a little bit goofy. The tie is off. Not only is the tie off, the shirt's off. It's Aloha Friday. Take a little bit of a break here. And this was a song I used to listen to in high school. Tells you what little nerd I was. (laughs) Gaz.
0: We'll be back next at twelve noon on Talk Nine Ten KNEW. Now, Rob Black. you own personal
2: Jesus.
1: How do you say the songs for me? Does that mean I'm your own personal Jesus? Oh, for the listeners, I'm the I'm the I'm your own personal. I thought it was between her and I. Between we. Between us. 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. During the commercial break, I heard um, a preview of Michael Myers and Halloween two, the new Rob Zombie film. One of the investment lessons that you can learn, believe it or not, from movies is expensive or cheap. And typically horror movies have always been massively profitable. Why is that? Horror movies aren't exactly the most delectable, most snootiest, uh, well-reviewed films of all time, but they typically star hot, young, sexy nobodies who don't demand big paydays. So that's pretty good. If you're a owner of a company, what do you want? You want low-cost labor. And horror movies in the world of film, in the world of cinema have low-cost labor, all things considered. Plus, they've got a built-in audience that you don't really have to market to. You've got young kids who want to get scared out of their Jesus mind. And that's what's going to happen with uh, Michael Myers. So uh, whether it's the Friday the 13th franchise or the Halloween franchise um, or the Saw franchises, some of these are the most profitable movies of all time. And you go, oh, no, how could that be? Not Return of the Jedi? <laughs> yes, I'm mocking the the Star Wars fans out there and saying that they all talk like "ooh, I did not know that." Um, nerds. So yeah, horror movies tend to be the most popular. No, 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 the most profitable movies of all time. The movie Hellraiser was written by Clive Barker and it was made for under a million dollars, and it ultimately made sixty million plus at the theater. Plus, you know, years and years later, the TV sales and the uh. The re-release sales and things along those lines, wildly profitable. So, and again, if you have to pay Jennifer Aniston $20 million to show us her tatas, um, which her next film, she's topless in. Woo, Jennifer Aniston's good. But she's going to earn her $20 million. And $60 million is going to be the first week in opening draw, and then it's going to drop off right after that. And the director's going to want his, and the producer's going to want his, because they got Jennifer Aniston to sh- take off her top. Um, not a very profitable way of doing business. Now, Jennifer Aniston actually turns out to be a more bankable movie star than other movie stars, per se. Uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, awful. Overpaid, and he doesn't draw the, the, the fans like he used to. He'll get a hit, but you got to pay everyone else nothing around him if you want to get a hit with him, so to speak. So, again, I'm running out of content, if you can't tell. Mega Millions jackpot hits $333 million this tonight. You have a 1 in 175711536 percent chance. It's not a very good odds, so keep that in mind. But, again, it does help our states uh, pull in revenue, which they go out and spend in ways that we don't want them to. Okay, 1993. What was happening in 1993? Why would Rob Black be talking about 1993? Can you tell the show's kind of therapy for me? Kind of. (laughs) Um, 1993, back on July 1, on the show, I noted that President Barack Obama's healthcare reform, it was starting to get very similar to President Clinton's efforts in 93-94. And that has become even more true in the last two months. Ultimately, here's what I see happening. Multiple committee bills are out there, and they need to be consolidated. And consolidating bills is an incredibly complex process. Partisan issues are in the forefront, particularly the public health insurance option. The media and analysts have covered the efforts nonstop. I'm tired of talking about healthcare. This is leading to incorrect and sometimes misleading stories. That's not a surprise because everyone's talking and everyone has an opinion. And ultimately, the 2010 elections are coming fast, 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 fast at us. This time next year, we're going to be talking about who you're going to vote for. Now, back in, Er and by the way, local television stations, they love election seasons. So as an investor, sometimes you can invest in names like Gray Television because the local stations get just record amounts of revenues during election years. So that's when they tend to have their best years, and that's when they tend to sell themselves to other companies because their books look the best at that point in time. But anyway, so 2010 is coming up fast, and back in, uh, August On August 7th on this show, I talked about the bipartisan efforts of the Senate Finance Committee. They've been impressive. The bipartisans, they were actually working together, increasing the chances of a broader health care reform act. But subsequent developments since have raised doubts, not to mention the minds of a skeptical public who confidence is plummeting on President Barack Obama. Desire to get health care reform is plummeting. Again, when you go from 60 percent to 40 percent, that's a big drop. Nevertheless, I think a more scaled down health care reform bill than what's currently being sought by President Obama will get done. Reconciliation will give the Democrats more options. But keep in mind that the developments over the last two weeks don't change the fact that the members of Congress not in the committees with jurisdiction over health care have yet to weigh in. So these are all still in committee and they're they're not getting talked about by the people who are going to have to get reelected. Um, indications right now are that some of them are not pleased with the agreements that both committees, have, that the committees have started to make with each other. They're compromising. You've seen Nancy Pelosi say, "There's no chance I approve anything that's not in, with a public health care option." So people are starting to get angry at each other, and that could complicate the whole process because again, it's back to school time of the year, and a year from now, it's going to be back to school. Plus, it's going to be um, the time of the year where we vote for midterm elections. So something's going to get done, but it's going to be massively scaled down. And the only thing, the only way it gets done to President Barack Obama's wildest fantasy is if, and this is a big F, if somehow the death of Teddy Kennedy has this groundswell of, we must do his last dying wish. We must as a nation. And for some reason, I just get the feeling, that the animosity and the, the mistrust of the public is going to not let that happen. So again, am I a Republican? Am I a Democrat? You'll never know. The truth is I hate them all. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
0: This is Rob Black on Talk 910, KNEW.
1: The New York Mets are up for sale, ultimately due to the misguidings of Bernie Madoff. That's right. The owner of the New York Mets, a storied franchise, going to be forced to sell the pro baseball team um, because they got the bad money manager which he really wasn't a money manager. Just let you know that. He took people's money. He didn't invest it. The Wilpon family, who owns the Mets, lost about $700 million because of Bernie Madoff. Can you say, whoa? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Let's go to Richard in San Carlos. Richard?
2: Hey, how you doing? Doing well. Well, I uh, I've been listening to your show for a while, and and this is actually the first time I had an opportunity to call in. But uh, are you, you going to just... yell at me? What is that?
1: Are you going to yell at me?
2: No, sir. Am I yelling right now? No, no.
1: I'm just checking. Just checking. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a little sensitive today.
2: <laughs> no, actually, it's it's great advice, and uh, I just normally drive it, so I don't get a chance to to uh, call in. But um, but I am today, um, and I wanted to talk to you about um, uh, refinancing. I I. Bought a home in San Carlos about nine years ago. Uh, I bought it from my parents, um, and they hold the loan on it. Um, uh, But about three years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife lost her job um, that she had for 12 years. The company went under, and um, so, and then at the same time that she lost her job, um, she uh, got pregnant with our third child, and... um, Anyway, it, it was a tough time for her to try to get new work, and people weren't hiring. And anyway,
1: okay. so what's the question?
2: Make a long story quite Okay, um, I don't want to, I don't want to screw up my parents at all because they did this great favor to us to to um, give us an opportunity to buy the house. Right. Um. Uh. But we're in a situation right now where um, we want to try to refinance and. Um. Uh, Bathrooms are going. There's some things that we need to do, and we don't have the money. Though we're back on our feet completely now. Um,
1: yeah, you're you're basically at the you're basically at your parents' whim, so to speak.
2: Well, should, it, yeah, yeah it, in a way. And I've talked to them about it, and they said, "No, everything's fine. If you want to do that, go ahead and do it." Well, uh, no, you
1: can't do that. It's their loan. They would have to do it.
2: Right. Well, no, not necessarily. It's our loan. It's a legal um, document that we sign. It's it's an actual loan that we have with them. Um, Who does the
1: mortgage company think owns the home?
2: Well, he owns the home.
1: Is it owned outright? Uh, yes. Is, is the title in your name? Yes. So you, what you would do is contact a, a mortgage lender and, and see if you can't do a home equity line of credit or, or a refi. Or, I mean, you don't even have a loan on it. So you would want to do probably a home equity line of credit on the equity that's in the home.
2: Right. But I'm just wondering, though, if I do something like that, am I hurting them at all? Am I making them? Am I forcing them to pay some extra taxes? Is it going to affect them at all? Is what I'm saying.
1: Why is the name? Why is the house entitled in, in their name if you live there and they gave it to you?
2: No, it, the the title is ours. We but we um, owe them for for it, so we pay them a monthly mortgage.
1: But you're doing that under the table.
2: Um no, not necessarily. I mean
1: it's in um it's, uh, Richard no, it's a, yeah, it's Richard, loan. I'm a little confused and thanks for the call. Contact my friend Tony at Loan Source dot com. It's just email um go to Loan Source dot com and click on his email and uh he will help you sort it out. I'm not I'm confused on who actually owns the loan. Um if anyone, it sounds like it's paid off and it sounds like they gifted it to you, but i wasn't quite sure if you're on title or not and you're not on a loan. Did they hate carrying their loan, and they gave it to you, and they titled it to you. Anyway, let's go to Valerie in Pacifica, Valerie. Hey. And by the way, I live in San Carlos, and I love San Carlos, and it's a great neighborhood and great community. But anyway, go ahead, Valerie.
2: Um, I actually live in Foster City. It's good to talk to you. And for the longest time, I thought your name was Juan, because you talk so fast. But I finally got it straight. I wanted to take you up on um, cocktails, going over the napkin... Figuring out my finances. I own a bar in Pacifica, and we can meet there.
1: <laughs> Sadly, I don't get a chance to get out all that often. You own a bar in Pacifica? Yeah. What bar do you own?
2: Seahorse Saloon.
1: Seahorse Saloon? You me a yeah. good bar joke. What's the best bar joke you know?
2: Oh, God, you're going to ask me a joke? Yeah. I'm not a, I'm, that's not me. That's my other bartenders.
1: <laughs> Every, everyone comes into a bar and has a joke.
2: Oh, God, what?
1: I've got... <laughs> I've got a great one but okay, it's, you it's help me
2: yes help me Mine's
1: dirty and it's about a 9-inch piano player.
2: Okay, well, you're, it's your show.
1: I can't do it cuz I'd get kicked off the air. Oh. But it's the greatest joke that I have. Okay. So, well, um put Valerie, it on your blog. Yeah, Valerie, what I do and thanks for the call. What I actually do, um I do some sometimes seminars called Money 101 and they're 7 bucks and if you didn't even want to pay it, I'd let you in for free. And that's probably the best place to go to get really educated on, on what you need to know financially. I can die today, and there's a good book out there called The Truth About Money by a guy named Rick Edelman. His last name is E-D-E-L-M-A-N, E-D-E-L-M-A-N. And what you're going to learn is that if you pick up that book, you can get it for 4 or $5 used. Don't buy new books. People buy new new books or snobs that kill trees. Um, buy a used book because someone already bought it and killed that tree. Um, but the, the book called The New Rules About Money It's 88 chapters, it's super easy to read, and it would be great at a bar, because you could read it in between the time that you're serving patients, patients. I guess they're patients in a way, Uh, customers, drinkers. Um, And, you know, I would take you up on the offer, it's just I don't have that type of time in my life, and I, I, I joke that I do, but I don't. Um, I get up early I stay up late and I, I super appreciate the offer and I will try to make it at some point in time to the seahorse saloon in Pacifica and uh, I know that bartenders and bar owners are getting hit hard by the the recession as people are drinking a little bit less um, because they feel that they don't have that much re me so their confidence is a little bit down but it is a sin business and I'm sure you're doing pretty well all things considered so anyway um, the new rules about money great book I highly highly recommend it. And that's where I would start off if I were you, 88 chapters. And if you ever want to like, call me and say, hey, I didn't understand this chapter. Hey, like, what does this even mean? Uh, the book's super easy, and I've often called it a bathroom reader because you can read it every time you have a bowel movement. And after about you know a month, two months of bowel movements, you'll be as educated as you need to be. If I get hit by a car today, get that book, people. It'll, it, what I do, it'll do just as well. Okay, real quick. It's back to school. I am desperate for content. <laughs> Back to school. couple things that you want to do. Ten tips for back to school. There's a good website called coupons.com. Coupons.com. Coupon Shack. Couponshack.com, excuse me. And that's got some great stuff on back to school items. You know, I like buying online. In large part, you don't pay the sales tax. In large part, you don't have to go to the store and touch people. But even more importantly, you can get some great coupons online at couponshack.com. Typically, you want to shop early for back to school gear. You want to check for student discounts. You want to sign up for email alerts. If you know you got three kids or if you know you got kids or you know that you always shop at Banana Republic or you know you always shop at Gap or you know you always shop at American Eagle, go to their websites and sign up because I sign up at Nike. I like Nike running shoes. I don't know why I like Nike running shoes, but I like Nike running shoes. I just do it. So I go to Nike's website and I sign up for their their emails and every now and then they've got 50% off shoe sales and they drop me an email and they go, Psst, 50% off. Now again. Um, I have no seminars coming up planned yet. I do actually have some seminars that I'm going to announce probably next week in September, but nothing that's announced yet. So it's going to be about a month from now, and I'll announce those probably Monday or Tuesday next week. Um, What am I thinking about? Okay, so check for student discounts. Save on shipping. Oh, the emails. The Nike sends me emails, and they're like 50% off. I'm like, sweet. I don't actually have to go into a store. You could actually buy used books now online, too ecampus.com ecampus.com you got to take advantage of the internet to save big dollars especially in a recession um other stories other stories i'm totally all out of stories oh oh cheap cars to own 10 cheapest cars to own hyundai accent cost about 35 cents a mile to own the nissan versa 36 cents a mile to own the chevy aveo 38 cents a mile to own the suzuki Sedan. $0.39 a mile to own. Pontiac G3, about $0.39. The Mazda iSport, about $0.39 a mile. So the cheapest of the cheapest, the cheapest car out there per mile to own. Hyundai Accent. Who would have known? I'm all out of time. Monday, it's going to be the lamest tech show ever right here on Talk 910 KNEW.
0: Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW